I would highly recommend this morning that you take your Bibles and you find the book of Romans. Last chapter in the book of Romans is Romans chapter 16. We have made our trek now over several months, taking a couple of breaks every now and then, and we have made it through. If you're here today anyway, you'll be at the tail end, but uh, hopefully uh, not certainly the least of the messages that we will be looking at as we have uh, gone through this great book, and we appreciate you being here today. Just to let you know of a couple of things that are happening, one of those is at the end of the service, uh, we will be having just a very brief business meeting where we will vote on our budget for 2020. It has been available for the last couple of weeks, had discussion last Sunday night, and uh, now moving forward, thankful to our stewardship team who's put that together, helping us to continue to do ministry. Uh, we are on track and to give more this year than you've ever given before to uh, the general offering and budget of the church and hope to do that again next year. And challenge that we have, stewardship has given us as a necessary tool. Thank you for your giving and generosity, stewardship, Lord using you to continue for kingdom purposes. Next Sunday, just to remind you, it's Family and Friend Day. We will uh, have special testimonies during both services. Special music be taking place. There'll be a meal after the second service and you want to come and be a part of that, good time to bring family and friends. Some of you brought family this week, and that's all right. We're glad that you came, and hopefully all the time be a great place for you to come, be able to bring and to be a part. Uh, we're going to be reading in Romans chapter 16 and verse 1 here in just a moment. Let's pause and have a word of prayer together. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. We are thankful today that we can have an opportunity to be in your house, and Father, we want to Pray certainly for our congregation that you may be with each one, Father. We, you know the burdens on our hearts, you know the needs in our lives, and even now, Father, we pray that uh, you may be with us. Bring healing where there needs to be healing. Father, may we also come, even in this service today, bringing confession, knowing that you forgive us of all of our sins. You put us in that right fellowship, and we pray, Father, today that even through the time of praise and worship that has taken place, table has been set so that our hearts and minds might be open to what you would have to say to us today. Thank you for these who are gathered here. We pray for our Sunday school and by other worship service, other activities today. Father, may everything be pleasing in your sight. And now, Father, for the remainder of the service, may the words of my mouth, the dedication of our hearts, Father, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen. And amen. I want to confess to you maybe a little bit this morning that I'm not much of a Facebook person. I'm not on Facebook very often. Now, in full disclosure, I will tell you that I've probably been on Facebook more for the past five months since my grandson has been born than all other times put together. But uh, so I am on from time to time or, you know, any kind of social media that's uh, just, but I probably tell you that more more is a flaw than there is an asset. But I've got to tell you, I love you. And I love to see you on teacups at Disney World. I love to know what you had. Your Ville Parmesan looked at the Italian restaurant. and Along with many of those things, I know that there are lots of important information that comes across that helps us to be able to connect with people and know that these things are, are good uh, as well. Now, I will uh, let you know... and reason I share that, I guess, because I do believe that perhaps uh, networking with people is important. Uh, now, that, I say that because as we read Romans chapter 16, as I've read it and read it again, I'm convinced the Apostle Paul, if he were alive today or if it were back then, I believe he'd have had a Facebook page. 
I believe it's so that he might be able to connect with other people and that other people might be able to connect with him as well. Now, networking is a modern term probably, but it's been around for a long time. People network for all kinds of reasons. Uh, teenagers want to network so that they might be able to, you know, have relationships and even popularity reasons of many kinds such as this. Business men, of course, are able to network so that they might be able to get in touch with people and be able to be able to make a profit. Now, hear me say there's nothing wrong with making a fair profit, but I'm pretty sure God doesn't want us to network in order to cheat people. I, I did hear of one networking scheme, I guess, that got maybe a little bit under my skin. It was a, it was a kind of a pyramid concept. I don't know if those are still around or not. And uh, it was the kind of where, uh, you know, you were to be the top of the pyramid. And there's a pyramid kind of things. And there was a profit that was to be sold, but I don't know that anybody ever sold the actual product. And you just got people to be kind of in your pyramid. And your idea was to be at the top of that pyramid and watch the cash come flowing in. And, uh, you know, had some little bit of problems with that, I guess, because sometimes we need to watch out for those money for nothing schemes. It was one of those schemes long on promise and short on reward. What I took issue with was in the presentation is that Jesus and His disciples were used as the example for the pyramid network. Peter, James, and John were on the second level in this particular presentation, and Jesus was at the top. The rest of the disciples were on the levels below, and they were the model that we were to follow. They actually had the concept right. They just had the theology wrong. If Jesus is going to be used as a pyramid kind of concept, it would be the upside-down pyramid where Jesus would be there at the bottom supporting everyone else because it was, according to the Bible, that He's the one that sacrificed His very life for us and gave up everything. And probably in that kind of pyramid, those who were closer to Jesus would be more of those who were willing to sacrifice and give and to serve others. Are you understanding any of the words that are coming out of my mouth this morning? I don't know, but hearing this pyramid scheme kind of gave me a little bit of righteous indignation. I mean, if you're going to be using Jesus as your example for doing business, be sure that you get the theology right. Paul was a networker of people, but not to use people or not to gain profit. He was a networker so that he might build God's kingdom and because he loved and appreciated people. If you have any inclination about wanting to help or being involved in the church, you will learn to love people. Jesus said, people know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. Now, if you've already found Romans chapter 16 and you're already looking at that, just scan that for just a moment and tell me what it is that you see. Probably what you're first noticing is you're noticing a whole lot of names, many of those names perhaps hard to pronounce. Well... We're going to give it our best shot this morning as we take a look at these, or at least I am, although if I have a volunteer to read some, that would be fine. But don't lose me, because Romans 16 has its challenges, but I think it will be surprising to you, like digging for gold. Some of the lessons may not be right on the surface. We might have to dig just a little bit. But I will tell you, of all the chapters of Romans, lots of great chapters, this one is one of my favorites, because Romans contains some of the most comprehensive theology of any book in the New Testament, lessons and concepts that we need to know and understand. To miss chapter 16 of this great letter, of this great book, is to miss the people, the people that both that Paul are writing to and those that are with him. This chapter puts shoe leather 
on the lessons with real people to whom Paul wrote. Many of them like you or maybe some of them like people you know. In fact, I think if you'll pay attention as we work our way through this chapter, you will probably think of some people that you actually know. Now, one of the challenges of this chapter is perhaps outlining the lessons. So we're going to take a little bit different approach than most of the chapters in Romans. We're going to, and help me if I don't use this term correctly, we're going to go look as if we are creeping on Paul's Facebook. Am I using that correctly? If not, somebody come tell me how to use it so I'll use it in the second service. We're going to be looking and imagining if this was Paul's Facebook that we're going to be looking at today. We're going to look at pictures and look at comments and stop and learn some lessons along the way. In fact, you'll have opportunity to like or maybe even to write a comment if you'd like, maybe on your notes or something along the way to help us with that. And we're simply going to be completing the statement, Christian networking is. And if you've got your notes there, you can already find out using the words for network. Well, look at Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, because we've got the first pic that's about to show. And the first picture that we look at, it's the picture of Phoebe. And there's Phoebe is. She's holding the spanking brand new letter, ink still wet letter that Paul has written. She's got it in her hand. And there she is. She's about to be leaving. She's waving goodbye to us in the picture because she's leaving the city of Corinth there in Greece and she's going to the Italian city of Rome there. And can you picture that in your mind of what's happening there? Now, as we say in your picturing Phoebe, if you're picturing someone who is perhaps a character on the TV show Friends, well, maybe you've been watching too much TV. But let's take a look at it. Romans chapter 16 verses 1 through 2 says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. We're going to learn this from Phoebe, that Christian networking is not what people can do for you. Christian networking is not what people can do for you, but what you can do for others. And every person you see was created by God, and we need to see people as God sees them with purpose and potential. Paul saw the good in God's people, was ready to commend them for the work. We also need to be an encouragement. The church of Rome was to welcome this fellow believer in a manner worthy of the saints. We also should be a church that welcomes people. Now, Phoebe was the one who actually took the letter to the church at Rome. She was a prominent member of the church of Sincrea. Sincrea, it's the port city there in Corinth, there at Greece, next to Corinth, in which she would leave. And maybe I don't, you know the city of Sincrea. We don't know much about it. We know that Paul had landed there. It's mentioned there before. Paul did something there. This is just maybe for... This is just us. This is the place that Paul got a haircut, which is an interesting thing to mention in the Bible, that Paul gets a haircut there. Now, it may have been the end of a vow that was happening. We don't know for sure why he had his haircut. It may be that he was preparing and wanted to identify more with the Gentiles. But the only person we know from Sincrea is Phoebe. Maybe Phoebe cut his hair. Or maybe she put him on a good barber shop for her to go. But she knew, Paul knew Phoebe. And she was probably prominent person, maybe wealthy, able to take a journey such as this and assist Paul. Paul lets this letter serve as a letter of recommendation to the Christians in Rome. 
They were to receive her, assist her in any way possible. She was commended as a servant. Same word for servant here is the word that we use as a word for deacon. Now, it may or may not have meant that she was a deacon or deaconess, but it certainly meant that she was a servant of the Lord and she was a helper to Paul. We read in the ESV it's the word patron, but it's sometimes translated as helper. Helper not only to Paul, but to many, he says. Now, in applying for a job, you might take a letter of recommendation from a former boss or maybe a letter of recommendation because someone knows the boss that you're going to. It's also common in that day when people travel to a new place that they take a letter of recommendation for help along the way, particularly maybe as believers and maybe even finding a place to lodge. And while she had been a help to Paul and was taking this letter for him, he was also helping her. Paul like Jesus, did not see people for what they could do for Him, but saw people for what He could do for them. That's Christian networking. Now, before we scroll down a little bit further, let's look at what the church is to do. Like the church in Rome, we're to be welcoming and we're to be accepting of others, also along the lines of what not what they can do for us, but what we can do for them. We're to welcome and accept God's dedicated people. There should be no strangers in the family of God. Now, Many of you comment, particularly over the last few years, we've had new people come in and you say all the time, say, well, I just don't know everybody in the church anymore. And sometimes it depends on the emphasis in which you say that. But we have no strangers here, those of us who are the family of God, because we know we have something in common. We know that we all have Jesus Christ in our hearts. And so we want to be welcoming and accepting of God's people. And uh, Uh, Paul said, welcome as someone who is worthy of the saints. Now, biblically speaking, all of us are saints, and some people are more saintly than others, we understand. And so we want to be sure that we love showing love to all of God's people. But also we have guests among us, or we run into people who are unchurched or lost. Well, we want to be welcoming to them for a couple of reasons. One, we want them to be able to see how much we love one another so that they might also want to be able to have what we have, be able to be introduced to the Savior. We want to open doors so that we might have conversations so that they might know the Christ in which we represent. But what's the number one complaint of people who come to church for the first time, perhaps? Certainly, I hope not our church, but often they'll come and maybe come into the church and leave out of the church, and they'll say, hardly anybody spoke to me. Well, may that not happen here. I believe we're a friendly church. Let's continue to do even better. May we see people inside and outside the church through God's eyes because people aren't just looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a community. People are looking for friends. My goodness, we could be the friendliest people as they walk inside the door, but what we really want to do is provide community. I find myself wanting to commend and encourage you. We're, we're approaching next fall our 50th year anniversary, and I've been a member of... Those 50 years, I've been a member one-tenth for 10 years. And if anything good has happened, I believe it's happened because of God's blessing and because you have been, as Phoebe was described, willing servants of God's church. But also we find Christian networking is entrusting yourself to people. Christian networking is entrusting yourself to people who care for you. Paul sends greetings to a whole list of folks who are already in Rome, people he knows, though he's never been there himself. Look at verses 3 and 4 of Romans 16. It says, Greet Prissa, also known as Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks 
for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks to them as well. Priscilla and Aquila, two of the few in this list who are mentioned many times in the New Testament. They are Jews who at this time who are living in Rome who had left because of the persecution of Jews. When they left, they settled for a while in Corinth. And Paul, on his second missionary journey, went to Corinth around the same time. And Paul's usual practice was to go to the synagogue when he first comes to a new city, if there is a synagogue, and he, he preaches in the synagogue. Now, you go into a synagogue, they're often segregated. Maybe the men on one side, the women on the other, the men up front, and the women in the back. And they're also sometimes segregated by professions. So that the people of different professions would sometimes sit together in the synagogue. Well, we know that Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, just as the Apostle Paul were tent makers. And it may be that they met in the marketplace, that as tent makers they were making a living, hadn't been around the same place. But either way, they had many things in common. And it was the Apostle Paul who either brought them to Jesus or strengthened them in their faith. And here we find... Here they had been together for many times. They went with him on his journeys. They were entrusted to care for some of the churches in which he started and in which he would leave them. And boy, now they find themselves in Rome at the time of this letter. Priscilla, they, you read the New Testament, they seem to show up everywhere. They're in Acts, and we read them here in Romans. They're in 1 Corinthians, they're mentioned in 2 Timothy. They were special friends, even risking their lives, and they were among the tops of Paul's list of folks who became close friends and workers in whom he entrusted himself to. Verse 5 says, Greet also the church in their house and greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert in Christ in Asia. Now, Asia, particularly in that time, was a, was a fairly large place, probably more like Asia Minor perhaps that we think of today. But hundreds, perhaps thousands had come to know Christ because of the Apostle Paul. And here he remembers his first convert. For not only did Paul just uh, bring them to the Lord and forget about them, but he brought them to the Lord and discipled and loved them and continued to care for them as well. Verse 6 uh, says this, Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Well, there's lots of Marys in the Bible. Mary was a common name in the New Testament. And we don't know which Mary this was. Probably not one of the Marys perhaps in the Gospels or maybe not thought to be one of those Marys. But you know, most of the Marys that are in, mentioned in the Bible, and my goodness, most of the Marys that I know in church have this in common. They're diligent workers. Then we read verse 7 that says this, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. Andronicus and Junia. Prison buddies with Paul. Here's the picture of my Facebook. That we were in the slammer together. Now understand, they were in jail. We don't know Andronicus. Well, we do know Andronicus and Junior were in jail for preaching the gospel because they were believers. Even before, before Paul, he calls them and a few others, these relatives or his kinsmen, which probably means countrymen. Maybe they were from the same tribe of Benjamin that he was from. They were well known by the apostles. And the fact that they were Christians before Paul was significant because many of the rest of the ones that Paul mentions here in this chapter, they became believers because of the ministry of Apostle Paul. But it reminds us as we read in Scripture that there are many things that are happening that 
about Christianity spreading that are not mentioned in Scripture. You might remember there was a persecution in Jerusalem and Christians were scattered throughout the regions and they continued to spread God's Word and continued to share ministry. We won't know all of those stories perhaps and find out about them until we get to heaven, but imagine this. And so we've looked on Paul's Facebook page and we've seen a couple of prison buddies that Paul had and that he knew while he was in prison. We entrust our lives to others. Sometimes because we have something in common like Priscilla and Aquila. Sometimes because of special experiences like Epinatus, first convert in all of Asia. Sometimes it is through working hard or because we have gone through difficult times. We're investing in one another so that when we feel alone, so that when we have failed or have moral failure among us, sometimes when we feel that life is difficult or we feel like we're the only ones seeking to do the Lord's will, maybe stop and realize others are serving Him in like manner. Paul appreciated people. He cared for people. But we find he entrusted himself, his ministry and churches that he cared about to others. Christian Network is also truly caring about all kinds of people. Maybe people not like you. Paul sends a greeting, a long list of folks, but half of these in the chapter, they're not just prominent people. Half of the ones he mentions are slaves. He mentions many women and in a time in which women were considered second-class citizens. But Paul, like Jesus, elevated, of course, the class of women as well. Read verse 8. Very short verses, some of these greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Now this, this was the name of a slave. It, it, would, it was a slave's name. In Rome, when Paul was writing to, there are places known as the catacombs. You can go to them today. And in the catacombs, these are some either places to where they were actually the grave sites uh, of many who had died during the first and second century, many who had been persecuted, and they would be stacked, and you go through, and they're stacked one on top of another. And in one particular place, it's a very ornate part of the catacombs, which would be unusual in itself, but there's a name that is listed there that's still read today, and it's this name, Ampliatus. Now, we don't know for sure it's the same person mentioned in verse 8, but considering that it was the name for a slave, Slaves would not get such an ornate or prominent place in a burial unless he was well-known or maybe held office in a church or maybe somebody like the Apostle Paul mentioned his name in a letter such as this. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, is he going to talk about every single name in this uh, chapter? Well, no, I'm not. And some of you, you're on the edge of your seat and your heart is pumping and you're salivating. You can't wait to hear the background of what's going to say. Wait, that's only me. I'm sorry. But we're not going to talk about everyone, but we're going to talk about Sover. And while I'll spare you from exegesis on every name, there are many others that Paul remembered to greet. Take a look, if you would, at Romans chapter 16, verses 9 and following. It says, Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my fellow and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. He says kinsman, so it could have been somebody that was a Jewish person, but that name Herodian usually is equated to a Roman official, somebody that has part of the 
Herod. You remember Herod the Great that's mentioned in the Bible that this could have been a relative of Herod. There was a great Herodian that lived about a hundred years later uh, that wrote about a lot of the Roman governors as well. But this could have been related in that, in that family. Verse 11, from the middle of that, Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Tryphena and Tryphosa were known as the twins, twin ladies. Their names actually mean dainty or delicate. Here we have the mention of dainty and delicate. These actually were believed to be part of Caesar's household or servants of Caesar's household. Named dainty and delicate. Oh, what can the Lord do with dainty and delicate? Well, here they are. We're looking at the Facebook page. We see them. They've got their sleeves rolled up. There they are. They're knee deep and elbow deep in grease and mud and work doing the work of the Lord. We find that. Oh, I can see you're so interested in these things. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Verse 13 says, Greet Rufus, chosen of the Lord, and also his mother who has been a mother to me as well. Do you know this Rufus? Do you remember Simon the Cyrene who carried the cross of Christ? The Bible tells us that he was the father of two sons, Alexander and Rufus. And for many, I believe that this is the very same Rufus whose father carried the cross of Christ that's mentioned here. And Paul mentions that they've made their way to Rome. And perhaps Simon has died and now he's there, he's there with his mother. Simon's wife or a widow has become as a mother even to the Apostle Paul. In fact, we used this very verse as a jumping off point a few years ago on Mother's Days. We talked about many who are as mothers, many ladies who are as mothers to others as well. And uh, verse 14 says, Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petravus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Verse 15, Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Now take a look, if you would, at that verse 15. Because let me tell you what this is believed to have been. Philologus is the dad. Julia is the mother. And then the son is Nereus. And either he can't remember the name or he says, and greet that little sister. Because he would have said otherwise, my sister in the Lord. So he calls him and greet his sister. In this, in Olympus, another household. And all the saints who are with them, meaning that greet this family and all those that meet in that house church. That come together, all part of the house church. One of the, probably more than one of the house churches even at this time in the large city of Rome that is taking place. Well, it's a little bit of a bumpy ride to get through some of those names, but it's not unusual that Paul would send greetings to the people in the church in Rome. What is unusual is how long the list is of the people for whom Paul knew in Rome for a place that he had never been. And some people think there's got to be some kind of mistake for him to list this kind of, this number of people, place that he's never been. Either he's been there before or somebody else is listing those names of people that... But if that's true, then we're probably looking at it all wrong because probably... Because he's never been there, he has opportunity to perhaps list every single name in which he remembers who were believers in Rome. And all of these people, some of them prominent, some of them slaves, men and women, Jews and Gentiles are evidence that Paul truly cared for all kinds of people regardless of their status or race or gender. It was not a factor. Jesus proved to us greatness in the kingdom of God has demonstrated how we care for those whom the world would see as the least on earth. 
Now, I got to tell you, in doing background for this chapter, I was reading through one commentary, and one, one writer wrote long uh, commentary, much more than I'm giving you today, but long commentary on these first 15 verses of this chapter. And then we came to verse, then he comes to verse 16, where it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And the only thing that this writer said, this was a formal greeting in Paul's day. I would not recommend it today. And he moved on to something else. But I think it does lend us to say that Christian networking is a warm, loving touch. Christian networking is warm, loving touches. Because there are a lot of people in this world who do not receive any touch, any kind of touch from anyone whatsoever or they're being touched in the wrong way. And they need a literally and affectionately a warm touch for others, whether it be a handshake or a hug or a pat on the back, or whether it be through our actions or by how the words that we say they need a touch from others. One of the best things about the Christian life is the relationships we form along the way. We're given a great example, which is to affectionately remember and greet brothers and sisters in Christ with warmth and affection. A holy kiss suggests it's one of purity and genuineness. Not thinking what are we able to get from others, but what can we do for others. This ought to characterize the relationship between believers and also with non-believers. Warmth, genuineness, and purity. Yeah, we're going to make it all the way through this chapter today. Verses 17 through 20 says this, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good, innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Christian networking is openly sharing your faith. Paul's giving warning. He's warning to his friends, and we do well to pay attention to this writing as well. It's a warning about those who teach anything other than the true gospel. There are those who for their own selfish or misguided reasons seek to spread that which is not true and is contrary to the gospel. They come knock on on your doors and sometimes they come through your television or on the internet or sometimes through even books and magazines and CDs and DVDs and by deceit and clever speeches distort what the Bible says to convince us that they're teaching the truth. They gain a hearing because sometimes they're interesting to listen to, but they disguise the truth by their entertaining speeches. But i got to tell you, it is better to listen to a preacher or a teacher plod through that which is the truth than somebody that is entertaining in telling lies. Well, how can we tell the difference? How can we tell those? Well, the Bible tells us, notice in verse 18... Because the Bible tells us to mark them or identify those and, and then it says to avoid them cannot be much plainer. But how do we identify them? Verse 18 says, They serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. The number one way for you to identify what a cult is, that is a non-Christian group or religion 
that lays some claim on Bible words and even some claim on biblical truth, but not speaking the truth, is to understand their view of Jesus Christ. They may, have, they may talk about a Christ, and they may talk about Jesus, but they're not always talking about the Jesus we know, who is the Jesus of the New Testament. For example, there is the modernist movement, which says that Jesus was not virgin born. He was a man that was so good that people mistook him for being God. He's the world's greatest ethical teacher, they say, who was only divine in the sense that all men are divine. He did not perform miracles in the New Testament, and many that can be explained by natural causes are being exaggerated legends. The modern Christ did not rise from the dead. He's not our Lord and Savior. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have a Christ, but He is the Son of Adam, God, and Mary, and According to many in the Mormon church, he was a polygamist, secretly married to the Marys and to Martha. His death death on the cross does not atone for all. They would tell you he is God. They'll also tell you that you can be a God just like him. Their Jesus is not ours. There's a Jehovah Witness Christ, but he's not the incarnate in the flesh. He is merely a son of God. Their belief that before he came into the world, he was a created angel, specifically Michael the archangel. He was a perfect human being, but nothing more. His death on the cross guarantees eternal life to no one. Their Christ is not our Lord. Christian scientists have a Christ, but He's not God. He's merely a divine ideal who does not exist except in their minds. The spiritualists have a Christ, but He's nothing more than a medium of high order. They do not consider Him divine, but an advanced spirit on the sixth level or sphere, whatever that is. Jesus was a Jewish enthusiast who met an untimely death. Their Christ is not the Christ. The Christ of the Bible is God in the flesh, born of a virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He claimed and demonstrated that He was God, performed miracles, taught with authority, foretold His death, exactly was crucified on a cross. He died and rose again the third day. He physically and literally he ascended to the heaven. He seated at the right hand of God the Father. One day He will return to take His church home. He will be the final judge of the world. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. The Christ of the cults is unknown to the Bible unless they're really only using His last name. That is the false Christ. He has more than one name. If they're only using His last name, then perhaps we do know Him because He's known as the Antichrist. And the definition of the Antichrist is any Christ other than the biblical Jesus. Why do I tell you this? Because Paul had friends and he wanted them to understand the truth and be able to share the gospel. You are my friends. I want you to be able to know the truth. I want to be able to share the gospel. I want you to know who Jesus is. You have friends. And you want them to be able to know who Jesus is so that they might also be able to have salvation. And you want to be able to share your faith openly. Paul also warned his friends in verse 19. Be wise about what is good, but innocent concerning evil. Boy, today, I'm afraid we've got it backwards. We find ourselves wanting to be wise to evil ways. But when it comes to the things of God, we know very little. The problem is we're easily deceived. We fool ourselves into believing that we need to wise up to what's going on in the world today. And that will help us. But the Bible tells us, no, we need to be wise up to the things of the world. We want to educate our children and teenagers 
hoping that that will protect them. But think about this. We're more educated today than ever before. Our children and our teenagers are more educated today than ever before. We have more sex education than ever before for our teenagers. In your opinion, is it working? The problem it was and never was that we knew too little. It was we knew too much about the ways of the world and too little about the things of God. We're in a battle with the forces of evil, but the ammunition the Lord wants to use is you. He wants you to network with people, some of the same people in your home or in your neighborhood or at school or at work. Share your faith openly. Do they know that you put your faith in the risen Lord and does your life reflect a difference because of it? And there's a promise we need to remember found in verse 20. God will crush Satan and all evil under His feet. But His grace is sufficient until then. Christian networking is relationship building while serving together. Relationship building while serving together. Verse 21 reads, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. And so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who's host to me and to the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus, greet you. While earlier you understand Paul had sent greetings, he mentioned to the names. He's in Corinth writing this letter, and he's mentioned names of those people in Rome whom he knows is going to be receiving the letter. And now in this part, he's mentioning the names of the people who were with him in Corinth. Timothy. Oh, his son in the faith greets you. And then also he mentions Tertius. Actually, Tertius is the one writing. Did you notice? He's writing. Paul's, Paul's dictating. He's writing this. He's, and you could see Paul says, send him your greeting too. Tertius says, I greet you. He wrote it in the first person, I greet you. It's believed that the very last paragraph of most of Paul's letter, Paul wrote himself. But he dictated it to Tertius here. And uh, Gaius is one who was staying with him it was hosting there in Corinth. There were other workers, uh, uh, including one by the name of Cortus. There, oh, did you notice there was the treasurer of Corinth? The city treasurer had become a believer. He greets you. Cortus. Here, Bible trivia. The only name in the Bible that begins with a Q. We read it today. But he also was believed to be a Roman soldier. Also, there in Corinth, greet you as you go. She writes to Romans that what's happening there so that they might be able to know. Christian work, networking is using your gifts and abilities and talents to work together to build the kingdom. Paul, not only a soul winner, he's a friend maker. Didn't try to spend, live an isolated life or even just spend time just with lost people. But we find him here and friends in the Lord and he appreciated them. They helped him personally, helped him in his ministry. The people God can use are often the people who can build relationships. And by building relationships, you multiply your ministry. You might be able to do a lot by yourself for the Lord. But all together, we can double and triple and even more. Banker or stockbroker can tell you how to invest your money and watch it grow. A businessman can tell you how to network and watch your profits multiply and increase. But only God in His Word will tell you how to invest in people and watch friends become mature in the faith, bring others to Jesus, and lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt. When you've invested in people, you've invested in what lasts for eternity. Come on, we've come this far. Let's read verses 25 through 27. 
This is Paul's doxology, believed perhaps to be written with his own hand as he dictates most of his letters and most of this one as he tells us. But it's a doxology of praise. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, the mystery in the New Testament always means Christ died for all. That's the mystery that's been made known. Verse 26, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writing has been made known to all nations according to the command of eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Let's look a little closer if we could at verse 26. The purpose of this letter, the purpose of Christian networking is stated in a concise and accurate phrase. Here it is on your screen in the, in the NIV, it says, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. Notice the last phrase, don't miss this. So that all nations might believe and obey Him. Christian networking is knowing your mission. 35 names mentioned in this chapter. Christians who are at one time lost or are living either in Rome or with Paul in Corinth where he was writing... This chapter is an expression of love and concern which was contrary to the philosophy of the Roman world in that day and it's unknown to many people today. Without a doubt, the believers were a different breed and a different people. Such love should be expressed so that someone observing it could not help but to observe how much they loved one another and how much they loved Jesus. A few years ago, it was cold and flu season, and uh, I was serving in North Alabama, and there was a church in Huntsville, large Methodist church, Asbury Methodist, that had an announcement to make during that time. The schools had closed the week before. I mean, so many kids were out, or moms were holding their kids from coming to school so they wouldn't get the flu, I guess, and they closed the schools in the area. And so Asbury Methodist put a big commercial on TV and big advertisement. They said, you come to church. We're going to be open for business this week. We'll not shake your hand and we'll not hug you, but we'd love to see you. Not to be outdone, we put an advertisement out. Come to our church this week. We'll not shake your hand. We'll not hug you. Shoot, we'll not even speak to you. It will be business as usual. I'm kidding, of course, that we said that. May it not be business as usual any more because of the love of Jesus that overflows in us because may it be we you and I as individuals may it be we as a church that people cannot help but see that we love and we're interested in people let's pray together father we thank you for the love that you have shown us through our lord and savior Jesus Christ that showed that you cared for me Show that you cared for everyone here. You love and care for those who aren't here. Father, may it be because of that love that may it overflow in us. May we understand our mission. May that help us in our Christian networking so that we might build one another up, so that we might build relationships, so that more and more might come to know you as Lord and Savior. It's in Christ's name that we lift, lift these prayers. Amen and amen. Would you please stand?
We'll be singing our song of response, and as we do today, we encourage you, if the Lord's leading you to make a decision today of any kind, that you not put that off. If it is to come accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe today, because of a relationship that you have with someone in this room, because of what God's Word has spoken today, the Lord has touched your heart, that you know that you need to give your heart and life to Jesus today. We want to encourage you to do that. It may be today that you are a guest here, or maybe you've been visiting for a while, or you're looking for a church home. We want to encourage you to come and join us as we seek, not always perfect about it, but as we seek to share and show the love of Jesus to others. Come and join our family of believers. You, this is how we do it. You come, walk the aisle, take your hand, let us know. And we'll, we'll walk you through the steps of becoming a member of Parkway Baptist Church. Our altar is open. If you'd like to come pray with one of our pastors or myself, you can certainly come and do that. You come as we sing together.